No, no, no. She's not a medical doctor, but she can sure cure your tax problems or your financial woes. She's the how-to girl. It's the Dr. Friday Show. If you have a question for Dr. Friday, call her now, 737-WWTN. That's 737-9986. So here's your host, financial counselor and tax consultant, Dr. Friday. Dr. Friday and the doctor is in the house. I will tell you, I was in the midst of working on taxes and did almost did not make it because it was like, oops, I've got to get to the studio. So if you're thinking about or you are actually working on your taxes and you've got some questions, this is the show you want to call at 615-367-0819, taking your calls about taxes. Maybe you're working on 2019 tax returns or you're planning for something in 2020. Remember, every year doesn't always match up. Sometimes, you know, your children get older. So a big thing for a lot of my clients is in the year in which my child or the the child on the tax return turned 17, we've lost a $1,500 tax credit in many of the cases of my clients. Maybe a child's going to college. Maybe they're not, but they're still living in the house. Are they truly a dependent or not is sometimes a question who should be claiming the child. Um, We have a situation sometimes, and we do with every year. I've always respected... um, divorced parents that actually look at the situation from what is the best tax advantage, not just what's on the divorce decree. Because I had a case where this is a 15, no, $2,489. I remember the dollar amount because it was not quite 2500 but they, there was a difference that uh, legitimately the wife who was a lower income um, had a situation or the ex-wife um, would be able to claim a child that was actually could have been claimed by the husband and had always, but because they started college, this credit was available. It's a huge credit. It didn't make a difference. And in this case, the husband was like, no, 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 that $500 wasn't enough to worry about. That's all he was entitled to. If he had claimed the child, she would have gotten all $2,500. Again, you know, this is where it, it comes into play, knowing the tax law, working with the tax law, who should be claiming whom, not just what the the divorce degree says, but who's really going to get the best benefit? Because otherwise, the person that's getting the best benefit is the Internal Revenue Service. So if you don't want them to be a part of the conversation, then sometimes having one with the ex is a good you know, option. And I, I have to say, I have some pretty cool clients because we do this often um, from year to year uh, when it comes to what is the best tax advantage, what is going to get the largest refunds, and then taking it from there, not uh, so much on who um, who is entitled to take them. So if you want to join the show, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986, taking your calls here in studio. It's finding out if your child is a dependent, if they are a dependent or not. It's a big quiz there because you have to meet that 50% of their um cost of living to be able to claim them. So if you have a child making $25,000 a year, likeliness is that child, even if they're living at home, is not your dependence, even though you may feel like it because you're paying for the house and the groceries. But they, in theory, according to the Internal Revenue Service, could be living on their own. So these are the kinds of things you need to decide, figure out, and what's going to work best. Also, filing taxes, making sure Uh, Every year we run into this thing, and I've been at this 20-plus years, every single year we run into a situation where one of the truly dependent children, 
maybe only had a couple thousand dollars of income, uh, but they had uh, money in box two of their W-2. Um, and so they went ahead and filed their taxes, not marking themselves as a dependent for their parents. So when we go to file the parents' tax return, we lose that child credit. Um, and again, it may only be $500, but the other one didn't ever they didn't get credit for it either. So you're leaving $500 on the table. So making sure you understand your tax options and what you need to do is the important part of that conversation. All right, we got Chuck from Smithville, and I appreciate the call. Hey, Chuck. Hello. Thank you for calling. What can I do for you? Um, I've got a kind of a unique situation. My wife and I are raising and have custody of our uh, grandson, and... Uh, the the mother has a support order, and she's fallen in arrears. And we were going to sit down with her. You know, we we have a relationship with her. Mm-hmm. We we're going to sit down with her and figure out what was the best option. We we made about eighty four k last year, and have basically him as their only um, uh, dependent. Or um, and then the the mother made about 13000 and so what I'm asking is, uh, I mean, she, she went behind her backs and did this just because she was in a hurry for the money, I think. Uh, I think it's going to be a wash in the end because uh, well, she has... The problem you're going to have with this particular situation is that this child probably lived in your house and you support it for more than six months in a day. Is that correct? That is correct, yes, and ma'am. And the mother, does she also live in this house? She does not. Okay. So what sh- the child tax credit, the $2,000 that you guys would have gotten for the child um, is one thing, but she would have also got what's called earned income credit. And you could only get earned income credit if the child was truly in her custody during six months and a day of that year. So she lied on her taxes would be my concern. And we're not, we're not, you know, I'm not, this isn't a big deal. I mean, from my standpoint, I'm not here to do one way or the other. In your case, you would have put the child on, you would have gotten a $2,000 credit. You legitimately would have had it. No big deal. In her case, if she had just claimed the $2,000, but I guarantee you when she went to prepare her taxes, she also qualified for another $1,666 minimum for earned income, most likely. So she probably got three or four grand back on that child. Uh, she got a little more than that, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, and you know, but and and she may have even paid in a little taxes on the thirteen. So all I'm saying is, is you know, in theory, you know, she cheated. Um, in in the reality of it is, she did get more than you would ever get because you don't qualify for any of the benefits she would have gotten. But she Correct. didn't really take care of this child, and that's where the problem. If I mean, obviously, the only people that know about it is you and her. If you don't file on the child, the IRS isn't likely to know. Therefore, it's a null and void in the conversation. But um, if you go and file and, and get your credit, you can still do that. You would have to mail in your return and show proof of residency for the child. She would then have to pay back that money, and I know that may be just causing more conflict than not. But I'm, I think so. Yes, know, I'm. I'm with you on that, and she's already at a rough spot. So I'm not trying to recreate a rougher spot for that person. So, but um, yeah, she would definitely benefit in in the conversation if she went in and said, "Oh yeah, this is my baby. Here I make thirteen thousand. She's like in the prime earned income." whatever that is. Right. Um, and then she would also have gotten the 2000, which almost all of that's refundable. So she would have had a really sweet return 
Um, so the uh, the other issue, it's uh, a part of this, is uh, our daycare expense. There's a credit uh, for that as well, is there not? Maximum is like $500 you would have gotten in credit. Okay, okay. So it's a negligible amount then. Yeah, compared to, again, what she would have received. You may have spent a whole bunch more, but I think it's like 5000 per child or a little less than that we get total credit for. Anything above that is considered luxury. Okay, yeah, we were we were like 5400, almost 5500. Yeah. So I think it but your maximum credit per child I think is actually a 500. It's a credit, so it's a dollar for dollar. Do not get me wrong, you would have received that against your total income of about $2500. Right. So Okay, well, I think this is probably the best scenario anyway because, you know, uh, she she needs the money, but I know, uh, I, know. I hear you, and I I know what you're saying, and and you know, and when it comes down to it, it probably will make things easier on you guys if she actually does have a little extra money, so she can do more than what she needs to do. But um, yeah, so that's where it comes down. Thanks for the call. Well, thank though. you. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye bye. All right, let's go to Sean in Lynchburg. Hello, Sean. Hi, how's it going? I am doing awesome. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. Well, I had a quick question. I think I, I'm, I'm really not sure what the answer is, but my wife and I were both uh, normal W-2 employees last year, and we um, and I kind of had a hobby side business that I had, and I went ahead and got an LLC for that. Okay. And the entire year, it was more of a, I guess, a good way to look at it would be like a something I did for the protection so I could get business insurance with the LLC. Uh-huh. And my question was, I mean, we've, and we also have a uh, few kids. And so it's always been simple for us to do the, the easy forms. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know if that might change now that we, um, I had this LLC and what the easiest way to do that was if uh, you thought maybe itemizing would be better. So um, you won't, I mean, basically what you need to add to your regular tax return will be called a Schedule C, self-employment form. And on there, you're also going to uh, um, do a state franchise excise. Um, You can go to tintap.gov, I think it is, um, uh, Tennessee Department of Revenue, and you can file your franchise excise. It would be a minimum of $100, no matter what, if you've lost money. Uh, but you need to do a Schedule C to report your losses. If it's a hobby, then you have to go to break even and not take any additional loss. I mean, meaning if you really weren't trying to generate any income, you were just kind of getting it formatted and get started, you know, you have to determine yeah. is it a business or is it a hobby because it kind of does change things. But um, but you do need to report it because you have a federal ID number. And on the Schedule yeah. C, you're going to list that federal ID number, the name of the business, and then whatever income and expenses and anything else that might have come along with generating that business. Okay. And is there a spot to input that on the on the easy form? No. You're going okay. from a 1040 to a 10. I mean, a 1040 easy to a 1040 because you do have to get a software or whatever that's going to allow you to do small business. Okay. Okay. All right. I think that that answers my that, that at least clears that up for me. Great. No Thank worries. you. Thanks, sweetheart. Bye bye. All right. That was awesome. Two great questions, to be honest, and that's the kind of thing we have to to do. And you know, Chuck obviously has no control over what uh, 
the young lady that um, daughter-in-law, I think he said it was, it may have been his daughter, um, files on her taxes. So all you can do is your best, but obviously them not claiming the child as well will make life a little less frustrating on that element. So if you have questions, you're not too sure which direction to go or where you need to be headed in taxes, that's about the only thing I can help you with, guys. The rest of the life choices that we file is a whole different conversation. We can talk about that where I'll talk a little bit about some of the changes and things I've seen happening during tax season so far this year. Um, we are in full swing, I will tell you that. We have, a, don't forget, March 15th is coming up very quickly for all of you that have partnerships um, corporations, um, those are going to be due in the next, well, I would normally say 15, but we've got an extra day in February today. So you know what? Uh, it's not till tomorrow, the 1st of March. So we have about 16 days till due day. Uh, but if you need help with any of that, you can always give us a call. But extensions may be the direction you need to go. And then that way you have a, a little extra time in preparing those correctly, not always rushing to the end. All right, we're going to take a quick break. If you want to join the show, it's really easy to do. 615-737-9986. We're going to be right back. Friday radio show. I'm an enrolled agent licensed with the Internal Revenue Service, which basically means I am licensed to do representation and taxation. So if you need help with taxes or representing yourself in front of the IRS or the state, I am the young lady you want to call. And the number here in the studio, if you've got questions, 615-737-9986. We're going to go right to the phone. We have Daryl, oh no, sorry, he's on the phone there. We'll get Daryl in just a second. My young man, uh, I didn't see the check mark or not, my fault. Uh, but we'll get to you in a second. So if you have questions about taxes, maybe you've gotten some love letters in the mail and the IRS is, you don't know what they want. All you know is that the situation is there, then I can certainly take care of helping you explain what it is. Um, you know, we can do offer and compromises, payment plans. You name it, as far as helping you try to resolve your issue with the Internal Revenue Service. I will tell you, I am not a big fan on dealing with collection agencies. I, I have a problem. They don't have the power to negotiate. They basically just have the ability to move forward on dealing with things. All right, so that was my fault. Now I'll get in there and talk to Daryl and see what his question is. Hey, Daryl. Hey, Dr. Friday. What can I do uh, for you? Um, my daughter is she's in a marriage. She's in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And she's in a marriage that where her husband, the marriage has been kind of going south for two or three years. I'm going to throw a little personal information there to get get to the yeah. point. Yeah. I'll say, so he basically left. Uh, there's, it's not a legal separation. It's not a legal divorce. She's in a quandary because he worked for a, uh, uh, a, comp- a company out in Oklahoma. Something. They didn't take enough money out on him. He knows he's probably going to have to pay in. He don't want to deal with it. So he's telling my daughter, said, J- you just take care of it. Well, she's saying... Telling me, she said, "You know, I don't even want my name on there. I don't want anything if they they, they lose anything." And she's saying, "Can she? You know, can she file? Does she have to file jointly, or can she file separately? How will that affect her?" And I thought, "Hey, you, that's just probably something you might can answer and give me some advice on. I'll pass it on to her." No worries. First question: Are there children? Yes, two. Okay. Um, yeah, how long ago did he move out of the house? Uh, probably about a month. Okay. So her only option is married filing separately or married filing jointly. Does she work? No. Okay. So, you know, in my, I understand exactly, but what I would actually have her do is basically she didn't work. She's not required by law to file taxes, period. So she doesn't need to do anything. 
She's not responsible for filing taxes on her husband's behalf, and she doesn't need to sign any tax return with her name on it. So her option is to do absolutely nothing. His job is to file taxes on himself. If he wants to claim the children married filing separately, he certainly can. She could have the taxes prepared that way if she wants to prepare them. She could put, you know, married filing separately in his name and the two children. It won't benefit her one way or the other. Um, And whatever the situation is, it is. That way she's not required to sign off on it. She can give it to him if he wants to sign it or he can do what he wants. She has no tax obligation in the year of 2019 at least. Wow. Okay. So, well, that's yeah. what she was tell, talking to me about. And I said, baby, I, I kind of out of my league there. I don't know what you, I said, yeah. you're going to have to do what you feel in your heart you should do. I want her to do the right thing. Of course, that, that's kind of like, it's going to be his money. You know, if he decides to give you any fine, if you don't, because there's no legal uh, well, alimony. I mean, there's no, there's no agreement, but if she puts her name on it and there's a balance due, in theory, she's saying she knows it. And now she's responsible for the total amount due, even if it's half of his, half hers or whatever. So she does not want her name on that. And then they may actually be a state income tax. I'm not, I don't do a lot in Mississippi myself or Oklahoma, wherever he was working. Those aren't states I have right off the top of my head, but many states do have a state income tax. So not only, so I'm not even sure if she can actually, I mean, if she came into my office and she said, my husband and I are separated, I wouldn't prepare the return because she doesn't have the power to sign those returns. So, you know, in my opinion, she should just say, hey, you know what? You can claim the kids, marry finally separately, or just don't file. That's your choice. Um, There is no personal obligation for her to file taxes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's probably what she'll do then to stay out of it legally. Because, like you said, if she signs it, yeah. she's basically saying she is partly responsible for that money. Yeah. If they owe. The IRS says she's a hundred percent responsible. Each person is responsible for a hundred percent of that tax until paid. So she could get back. She could actually, mm-hmm. God forbid, it separates right, and she gets a job. And he is the kind of guy that goes from job to job. She may be the more permanent one and end up having to pay that money because her name was on that tax return. So personally, I would not put my name on any of the tax return. If he wants to claim the children, that's fine because she has no income, so there's no benefit for her. Um, But if the kids are both under 16, there is a $4,000 credit there. Right, right. Just saying, I don't know how much short he is, so it may be. Well, I just, in my mind, I told her the other day, I'm just kind of rough guessing based on my experience. I'm 60 years old. And I said, if y'all break even, it would be a miracle. Yeah. But I figured up, I, I got her to tell me, she told me how much he made. How much they took out, mm-hmm. I called the girl in my office. I said, how much y'all take out on me on federal? Right. And then I kind of calculated, and I told her, I said, uh, I said, y'all, I said, it ain't going to work, baby. I said, you're you're going to have to pay in based on what I'm looking at. Yeah. You know. I mean, um, she could, so. if it's just W-2s, there are free softwares, unless he makes more than 50000 I don't know, you know. Um, she could try to get them prepared, just prepare them as if they were, um, a joint filing and, and see, but I would be concerned because if he gets his hands on it, he could try to file it, even though she didn't want it filed. You know, I'm just saying, I don't let me, let me ask you a quick question. I do TurboTax. Sure. And I, in fact, I called you a few weeks ago about a GE thing I had. You answered a really good question. I can, I can simulate without having to file and yeah, without turning exactly. it in. That's I can what put I would some do. figures. Okay. I had thought about doing that and just running it for her, mm-hmm. but I didn't know with it being in my name, it's got my wife's name and all that. Is it going to look at what we got and try to calculate off that or should now, I start like over new? I would start just, new. I would just start, I mean, yeah. for the few dollars it might cost, I would start new, throw it in, put the kids and, and her husband, try it married filing separately, which is what we really want to be filing. But you could try it jointly and just see if there's a break even, 
right? If it's a break even, then married filing jointly may be okay. But if you but put it in, there will be a difference. You think there will be a difference? Oh, there is absolutely, absolutely. Because with him claiming her as a joint married couple, they're going to get the twenty four thousand two hundred dollars plus the four thousand credit for the two children that are under the age of sixteen. Married filing separately, he's only going to qualify for the twelve thousand two hundred. Um, he's going to lose $12,000 without her being on that return. And if the difference makes it break even, awesome. But if the difference doesn't make a difference, then leave it in his name. And that way, you know, later on, they can deal. Yeah, deal with it later. But that would be my suggestion. Okay. She, she's real friend, good friends with the person that does the income taxes. Maybe I might suggest to her, say, get her to run the quick figures. Mm-hmm. And see, she'll do that for you. And, and you make a decision there. Um, yeah, maybe I mean, that sounds, you that know, would before be, I mean, what I would do, but just have the numbers run because you don't want your name on a return that you can't afford to pay the taxes. If it's a matter exactly. that the tax bill is $10 or a hundred dollars, that's one thing, right? But if we're talking yeah. thousands of dollars, then that's let him be bite. the one that's going to have to bite that or just don't file at all and let him deal with that after the, you know, hopefully not the divorce, but as long as you're married to him, it's always going to be a problem, right? And so if this is just yeah. a rough spot, then I would say, you know, the downside to that is now there's penalties and interest that she's going to end up paying because they're eventually going to get back together. You know, I mean, it's a hard call to say, you know. Exactly. It's, it's horrible. It's horrible yeah. dealing with this. But it's fact. It's life. And uh, yeah. well, Dr. Brown, you have given me a lot of things to talk to her about cool. and maybe a little advice. <laughs> I can't, I'm not wise. I'm give her tax advice. Yeah. But what I would suggest, I'll just give her some suggestions based exactly. on what she says yeah. and let her run some figures at least and kind of give. And I think that will make her feel better. Because she's just, she don't know what to do. And I don't know what to tell her to do. But after talking to you, I, I kind of got some ideas. And I okay. think that will help us all. Thank I appreciate you, Daryl. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, let's head to Ray. And remember, if you want to join the show, all you have to do is pick up the phone, 615-737-9986. Hello, Ray. Yes, ma'am. Uh, I got a little thing here. I've been retired for about seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. And I haven't had to file any taxes because I didn't have no income to get anything back, or nothing held out. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, I figure them, had always figured them myself and sure. every time. Thing. And I know I didn't have nothing to pay in. Right. And therefore, it said you didn't have to file, so you I don't. didn't. Yeah. But this past year, I've sold some land. And I'm going to have a capital gains on it, plus I sold it and financed it, so I've got a interest also. And then also I have another debt that just came, uh, uh, started being paid back this past year also, and I have interest on that. And I was just wondering, I know I got a file, and uh, how do I turn that in? Uh, the capital gains and the interest that's all being paid back on a monthly basis, do I just do it for each year, the amount of interest and capital gain for that year, and what do I use to file at home? Great questions. Um, I was actually just working on one of those before I left the office. It's called an installment sale form. You're going to want to attach a uh, 6252 form. And basically what you do is you put in there, example would be, I sold it for $500,000. They put $150,000 down. I'm financing the rest. 
um, at whatever you're, you're financing. And then every year you put in how much you received in principal and how much you receive in interest. And that way it will track it till it goes down to zero. The interest will automatically roll onto the Schedule B form, which is where you always put your interest income. The rest of it will um, possibly be a capital gains. But depending on how much money, keep in mind, you, you're in a 0% capital gains rate for um, up until you hit total, including the capital gains, a total amount of $50,000. So, you know, if you're single, I'm assuming you're single. Um, no, I'm married. If you're married, married then the combination of the going. two of you would be $100,000. You guys would be in a 0% capital gain. So if your portion of capital of, of capital gains for this year was, I don't know, 50000 and your normal income is only Social Security or minimal amount, whatever that is, if it all ends up right. under, you could end up with a 0 tax on the sale of that property. Don't know your situation, okay. but keep in well, mind that that's it's, there. It's going to be well in under a hundred thousand. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, you have to take an account of probably, the, probably kicking some of your social security becoming taxable, you know, because you're above the 32,000. So you'll have to throw it into your system this next year and just make sure that you're still in the, the 0% capital gains, but you could end up paying no tax um, in your scenario. So that would be awesome. But uh, you will have to uh, look at the hall tax for 2020, since this is happening in 2020, I think. Uh, we have one more year of the hall income tax, and that interest oh. is taxable for the state if it's over $2,500. Okay. 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 Between the two of them, it may be. Yeah. Uh, so, what would my best way of filing? Would TurboTax or something like that take care out of it? Or- sure. Sure, you can go to TurboTax or or just, uh, you know, go to a neural agent, but it's a fairly straightforward situation. Uh, But make sure Uh you do put the the 6252 in there and and track that installment year to year, and that way then it will account for your gains as well as your interest. Okay. 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 Well, I appreciate the help very much. No problem. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to hit Julie and a couple other phone calls that are calling uh, in. If you want to join the show, 615-737-9986. We'll be right back. All righty, we are back live in studio. And as I love it, my hall town. I was reading my screen. My phone lines are lighting up, and Julie was cool enough to hold through the break, so I'm going to get to her really quickly here. Hello, Julie. Hello. What can I do for you? I have a quick question. Um, my son um, worked some um, grass working um, landscaping over the summer, mm-hmm. and he got 1099s. We didn't realize he was going to get 1099s, so this is the first time he's going to have like a self-employment situation. Yeah. What kind of expenses can he claim to help the tax burden on that? That is a great question. So I guess the first question would be, did he drive from job to job on his own or did he use his vehicle or did he get in a truck with one of the other guys and go from job to job? Mostly going in their truck from job to job. Occasionally he went by his, uh, in his own. Okay. So usually if, you know, if you're handling landscaping, you would have the truck with all the tools in it. The truck would be, miles in that truck would be a deduction. Doesn't sound like your son probably had that truck. Um, and then, um, you know, other than that, really, I mean, most landscapers, any tools and equipment he may have had to purchase, but 
it sounds like he was more of a hand I and mean, just reading between the lines and no homie that I'm just, it sounds like more of a, a laborer in this particular situation where they picked him up, right. put him in there and let it ride. And in that case, he has no deductions because you can't okay. write off any kind of home office or anything. Cause he really wasn't in business. To be honest, he should not have been treated as a subcontractor, but between you, me and the wall, no one cares, right. but uh, he was truly, <laughs> truly an employee. He was told to get in the truck. We're going to do this, this, and this. And he had no choice of choosing which lawns to cut and whatever he was basically an employee so that right. being said at this point um you know he's he's not going to have any major deductions i can think of possibly you know a very small usage of a cell phone if they used it to contact him to get back and forth but you know that's such a minimal amount nowadays that you guys probably pay the cell phone bill anyways um yeah. or a lot of parents you know have the packages or whatever so right um there's not going to be unfortunately anything i can think of because he, he really wasn't the owner of that business. He was not okay. self-employed in reality. Okay. Sorry. All right. That's what I wanted to check on. No problem, girl. Thanks. All right. Thank Bye. you. All right. Let's see here. The next person we have was Keith, then Carol, then Scott. Hello, Keith. Hello. What can I do for you? Well, my dad is in the process of selling his business, and he was looking um, to leave each of his three children a substantial amount of money. And he's just trying to figure out the best way to do that with the lightest tax burden. If there was like a early inheritance kind of thing or anything like that. Not really. Um, the thing is, he's going to sell the business and he's going to have capital gains. The business is only in Pop's name. So he's going to have to deal with the capital gains on that sale. Once he's paid those capital gains, he can gift each of you guys a couple million dollars each if he wants to. We have $11 million worth of gifting. Um, at least right now for the next five years, uh, I probably. Oh, okay. That's that awesome. I thought it, I thought it was like $15,000 limit and he's wanting to leave like a hundred. No, yeah, no, he has no problem with meeting that. Obviously, um, gifting laws change every year, but we've very rarely been below the million for a long time. Uh, so if it's only something like that, he, what you're thinking is he doesn't have to file a gift tax return if he does $15,000 or less. He would have to file the return of, on more, but there's no taxes due. It's truly just a paper trail. Just says, hey, oh, gotcha. I gave baby boy one this much money. Here's his name and social security, baby boy do, girl, whatever. Um, so it's really just a paper trail the IRS requires to take out of his lifetime of gifting. Oh, got you. Thank you very much. No problem. Thanks. Bye. All right, bye. All righty. Let's go to Carol, who's been holding for a while. Hello, Carol. Hi. Um, you just mentioned uh, the hall tax with the previous caller. Yes. Uh, could you expect, uh, explain what the hall tax is and how does a person know they are required to pay this tax? That is an awesome question because many people do not know that they're supposed to pay this tax. So the hall tax is only based on interest, dividends, and capital gains um, earned, and you have an exclusion of 1250 for a single, 2500 for a married couple, um, and obviously, when you're preparing your taxes, you'd be able to know. Now, if you have interest from a local bank or any Tennessee bank, um, that is tax-free. But if you have interest from a investment like a LLC or if you're self-financing mortgages, even if they're in the state, those are not. I would suggest going to tn.gov if you think any of that might apply. You know I mean? I don't know you personally or what your situation is. Good news is, is that 2020 is the final year, unless they extend it for some reason, it will then be off the books, and it is down to 1% this year of 2020. 
Okay, well, if you did not know that you were supposed to be paying this tax, what happens? Well, if the government, I mean, they do do a matching with the Internal Revenue Service, so it's likely that it probably didn't apply, I mean, okay. in many cases. But if you're not sure at all, I mean, you can obviously contact, uh, you know, a local accountant, tax person that does taxes, and they could actually review your taxes and see if there was something missed. Then you could then file those returns with the excuse that, you know, hey, I did not know this even existed. You know, please waive any penalties. Here's my money due. Um, but uh, it, it, I would say you have a pretty good odds that it probably wasn't due, Carol. Okay, so it's the taxpayer's obligation to uh, know this situation and know that they're supposed to uh, pay this tax. The IRS doesn't, you know, send you a letter or something. I have had a few cases, like I say, I know they match with the federal government because I have had some cases where people have come to my office where the state of Tennessee has come to them saying, we think you needed to file a hall income tax. Mm. And then we would comply. In some cases, they did not require it because the income, the interest that was paid Paid was not taxable to the state, but in some cases, these people did need to file them. But you know, so the state has been known to notify people in some circumstances. I don't know how often or how that matches up in the situation, but it is something kind of like the use tax, where if you buy something out of state, the state says in Tennessee that you're supposed to be reporting that every year on a use tax return. I oh, know okay. very few people that ever do that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate Thanks. it. Great question. Bye bye. Um, bye bye. All right, let's go to Scott in good old Nashville. Hello, Scott. Hey, Dr. Friday. Hey, uh, my wife has, uh, has inherited uh, a piece of property within a, in a, a state, and the estate is in probate. Okay. Uh, I'm trying to determine whether, whether or not we need to sell it while it's in probate or if if we need to wait till after probate to sell it. It's what? probably increased in value quite a bit since it was purchased. Okay, so the good thing is the date that she received it, I mean, the date that the person passed away and it went into a state, that would mm-hmm. be the basis date. So what was it worth at that day is what you need to know. That's the appraisal. That would be your wife's cost of uh, cost basis. So not the date of when it was originally purchased, but the date that it went into or the person died and she inherited. Um, so that would most likely be within the last year. If it's in probate, unless it's been well, it's been probate for about three years now. So holy tamale! Yeah, I know. And the price of national property has gone through the roof, and it's five acres. Yeah, uh, I would have to, you know, in that case, because normally probate. I mean, to be honest, I'm I'm not an attorney, but in most of the cases we have, usually twelve months or less that you can get something through probate unless mm-hmm. there was a hold. I know one we had a few years, uh, a few months. There, not, there you know. was. Um, yeah, there was a. I don't know, Scott, if you can actually can you actually sell it while it's in probate? Do you have the ability yeah. to? Well, I mean, like you say, I would say put it on the market and find out if you can get the price of money you want. I mean, I mean, I'm assuming you don't want to hold on to it anyways. No, no, we're going to sell it uh, either way. I so, just didn't know what the difference of capital gains would be after probate or since before, it's, I, I didn't know. Since what, it's not you know, in, it, now, it doesn't sound. Is it in an actual trust or is it in? Pro, I mean, if it's in a trust, it went to went to probate. So I'm no, assuming it's in an estate. They didn't put it in a trust. It's in an estate. Right, which happens whenever whenever we pass away and it goes into probate, right. it goes into an estate. So it's going to have the same capital gains rate as you and I do. 
I mean, you know, it's going to it's going to fall into ordinary capital gains rates. So um, okay. there's no additional tax for it to be in that estate. So I would say sooner you probably I mean, right now the market is good, but who knows? Stock market's not doing so hot. So, you know, sooner or later, that's going to trickle down possibly. I mean, again, I'm not an expert on any of that, but um, I would say if the yeah. price is right, go ahead and get it, in my opinion. Okay, so no difference in the tax. Nope, we are in good if shape. If I sell Scott. it today or next week, I mean, other than you yeah, know if additional capital gains up. or the right. price dropping, but yep, you're in good shape. Okay, cool. Thank right, you. Buddy. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right, those are awesome questions, guys. I do truly appreciate all the phone calls because it makes my life so much easier here in the studio. Um, if you do want to join the show, all you have to do is pick up the phone, 615-737-9986, 615-737-9986. As an enrolled agent, what I do is basically taxes and representation. So if you're getting the love letters or maybe you're trying to figure out, how do I finally get caught up? I really want to go buy a house or I want to get married or maybe you're just talking of not filing taxes and not being able to do certain things, I can help. Guys, I really can. It's not. It doesn't take a lot. All you have to do is be organized, get some power of attorneys, get some things going, and we can help you get straight on track with the Internal Revenue Service. And the first thing we have to do is get you into compliance. So figuring out what that is is what we need to do. But if you want to join the show, 615-737-9986, and we're going to be right back. We have a few minutes left, and we've got at least three callers on the line. So let's see if we can get all of you guys before the break. Here we go. We're going to start with Car- Carl. Excuse me, Carl. Gotcha, buddy. What can I do for you? Yes, uh, my oldest brother has a business in Tennessee, and he files quarterly. Uh huh. And last year, he filed. He went and grabbed the paperwork from where we do our taxes. Mm-hmm. We had the same tax lady. And the information that was on his paperwork was all my information and not his. And he didn't catch it until after he mailed the check. And so far, he has not been able to find out any information from his tax lady or the uh, IRS uh, on where that money went. Carl, probably the easiest thing to find out would be for you to contact or you to grab some transcripts from your 2019 information and see if it's sitting under your name. Because then what will happen is you'll just add it to your 2019 as additional income and give him a check when you get it, whatever, Um, you know, in that way. Because nine times out of ten what's happened is he can't find out what under you because the government can't release information, right? Even though you're SIBs, whatever, they're not going to give him anything about you. So um, nine times out of 10, it, it's sitting under you because that's where he had put it. Now, okay. you know, since it's not under him, there's only two places likely for it to be. So I would actually just see if you can find out, either call the IRS or um, go to irs.gov and see if you can pull your 2019 transcripts. Okay, I appreciate that. No problem. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Great question, though. That is something that doesn't happen every day. All right, Lori is next, then Jeff. Hey, Lori. Hello. What can I do for you? I started driving Uber this year, and I've never been self-employed before, so I need to know what I can deduct. Can I deduct the mileage from my house in Lawrenceburg? Because I can't actually Uber until I get to almost Nashville. 
Okay, so the tax law says not till your first pickup. Okay. So you would have your home to your first pickup. So you might want to look if anyone in Lawrenceburg needs a lift in. Because, I can't. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they don't cover. Enough. Yeah. Well, Spring Hill doesn't have a lot either. Um, but anyway, so I hate to say it, but if you were ever audited, they would say that your first job started with your first pickup. And then from there to your end, last pickup. The rest of it okay. is considered commuting under tax law. Now, I know there's going to be a lot of people that will tell you otherwise. But if they ever handle an audit, that is what the revenue officer is going to say to you. Well, that's what I wanted to know. You got it, Thank girl. you. No problem. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay. All right. And Jeff. Hello, Jeff. Hello. What can I do I for you, sir? Uh, my question is, we sold my parents' house uh, this past year. There's four kids, and the, the profits were split with. My mother is still alive, and it was in a trust, so the, not, uh, the income went to the four kids. What can we, And they'd owned the house for 50 years. Okay. The cost basis, explain what I do for that. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, so when Dad passed away, the house went into trust? It was actually in a trust before he passed away. Okay, so it was in a, an actual irrevocable trust, so it actually was being not in a revocable where it went became an, a trust when he died, or no, it was actually in an era when they had a life trust, a, a life was a life estate to live in it until Correct. okay, and so mom is no longer living in it; she moved into a facility or living someplace else. Correct. So you guys sold the house, um, but the basis under those kind of situations. Uh, since mom is still alive and it, it isn't, um, you know, we've been a, as of dad's, well, depending on when it really was effectively in the trust, it would be the date of the trust and whatever the value mom and dad paid for it originally. Yeah. I mean, they owned it for 50 years, probably paid. Nothing. I mean, in comparison yeah. to the American, what, what we would be paying now, um, there would have been some upgrades possibly. Um, if yeah. it was 50-year-old homes, I'm assuming there was some upgrades done to it. But, um, yeah, unfortunately, that's never the best way to do it because mom would have had an exclusion of over 250000 from what was – and she would have gotten a step up for half of the house because the husband um, – this is where – Estate planning may not have been the best plan, uh, but it's right. too late to have that conversation. Um, so that being said, you don't have much basis. Okay. You know, Just whatever I can prove as far as upgrades. Exactly. I mean, you you may be able to go back and figure out mom and dad pay $50,000 for the property, the land, whatever. Um, and, you know, if there's been some, I mean, at some point they put heating and air conditioning and everything in this house sure. because 50 years ago that wasn't part of it. So there would have been some decent upgrades and then divide that by one fourth and that would be your basis. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Sorry, Jeff. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Thank you. That's when you really want to sit down because probably back when dad put that or mom and dad put it into trust at that time, the estate planning was actually a great plan. But things change, people, and that is exactly why you need to sit down with your estate planners and your your attorneys that handles your estates as far as the legal side and make sure – I mean, laws are changing, right? I mean, right now, I was just reading an article earlier today where, you know, of course, I was just saying that the estate gift tax uh, right now, a federal gift tax is like $11 million, but that expires in 2025. So if you go ahead and give all $11 million away now and it drops down to five and you're still alive, 
Now the gift, you know, now the gift law, you've overextended your gifts and you're going to end up paying a gift tax at the time the estate, you know, time you pass away. So all I'm saying is stay continent of what's happening in the world and make sure that the estate is being updated as things change. I mean, I have a lot of people right this second that basically say, I don't need a trust. I don't need to do estate planning. I'm never going to have $11 million in my name. Therefore, there's no tax on any of it. But hello, unless you plan to die in the next five years, that may or may not be part of the situation, right? So, and then also keep in mind that a state and will and trust and all that is not just for the exclusion of how money is going to go in and out, but also for how you want to handle the money. Because personally speaking, I don't think it's always good, especially if you have a very large estate, you know, five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars, and you then immediately give it all to the child, um, the problem is that can change lives and maybe not in a good way. Um, also, if your child is married, you know, you don't always know where that relationship's going to go. And now you've just paid off the home and now the spouse that they're married to got 50% of her inheritance or his inheritance because the house is 50% theirs. There are a lot of things you need to consider other than just the basic estate planning. So, and if you have small children, who's going to take care of the kids? Where's the life insurance going? You need to think about these guys. I am not an attorney. That is not my expertise. But every day I talk to people and I know the importance of making sure that you at least have a really good will and then possibly a good estate plan. And in my opinion, and I'm single, I don't, you know, but a good trust because I don't want a probate. I don't want my estate to have to go through probate. And B, I want to make sure that even if the taxes are a bit higher in the trust, that so much money is being distributed at a certain time for certain things for my nieces and nephews um, or brothers and sisters, whatever it is that is being done. Not all of it goes out at one time and then, you know, it's just not a good plan. All right. So if you do have questions. This show's pretty much over, so you're going to need to start calling the office on Monday. And that phone number will be 615-367-0819. 615-367-0819. If you have questions, you can reach me Monday morning. You can also look to book tax appointments. Uh, what is still available is going to be at drfriday.com. Click on appointments, and you can set up an appointment to do your taxes. Keep in mind, if you are an existing client and you do not see anything left on the calendar, do not stress. Give us a call directly in the office. We do have time set aside for our existing clients. New clients, unfortunately, once that client is there, that calendar is full, very difficult to squeeze in. But existing clients, we still have plenty of openings for you if uh, if and when you still want to use our tax services. So returning clients are always awesome. If you need help, you can go to uh, drfriday.com. Again, drfriday.com. Set up an appointment. You can email me through the website. You can check out our blogs and all the other information right through our, our um, website. And you can reach me live at 615-367-0819 on Monday, 615 615- Three six seven zero eight one nine. If you've got questions and you couldn't get through the radio, sometimes the easiest way to do it is emailing. That can be simply done by emailing my first name, Friday, just like the day of the week, F-R-I-D-A-Y, at drfriday.com. Again, Friday at drfriday.com. Do not not file your 2019 taxes. Make it a goal. If you haven't filed for years, make sure 2019 has been filed. And if you need help, guys, we can file an extension and always file you a few days late. We'll take care of you. Copulator.